From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Mike Douglas here. Welcome to a brand new year, 2009. What's with that? Happy New Year. I'm stuck in August yet, but (laughs) welcome to you, wherever you are around the world. Great to have you with us here on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. And as we kick off 2009, uh, just two of God's great blessings to Modesto with us today. Uh, pastors of local churches, Wade Estes from First Baptist Church here in Modesto, and uh, Ross Bryles from Sherwood Bible Church. And uh, we're going to be talking about prayer and what God has been doing through prayer and uh, how we have uh, seen his hand move uh, in response to prayer over uh, several decades now. And before we get to that, though, uh, friends, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's England, 1555. John Denley is stopped and searched on his way to visit a friend. Authorities find his written confession of faith, which states that the apostles and prophets built the church with Christ at its head, and the present Church of England was not part of the true church. Within six weeks, he is sent to the stake to be burned. Denley shows no fear, even singing a psalm as the flames rise around him. One of his tormentors throws a piece of wood at him. Denley responds, truly, you have spoiled a good old psalm. Then he spreads his arms and continues singing until he dies. For more true stories from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And if I remember correctly, what's interesting about that is one of the main points of disagreement there was the issue of transubstantiation. I mean, that was one of the hot-button things in that document in his pocket that eventually uh, led to uh, his uh, his execution mm-hmm. and uh, status as uh, as a martyr. Of course, nowadays, gentlemen, we don't have those kind of arguments, do we? Uh, we just don't kill anymore don't. most of the time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Ross is taking the fifth on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there's actually a story about, uh, well, we'll leave that communion story to some other time, Ross. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, of uh, people who, who serve us and uh, uh, really has, has done a wonderful job in monitoring things that we can't monitor on a daily basis, that's Brad Dacus. And the Pacific Justice Institute, let's check in with him. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, 
Brad Dacus. After a hostile ruling from the Ninth Circuit, Pacific Justice has filed an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court challenging a taxpayer-funded controversial website. You see, the case is against a UC Berkeley website which trains teachers to persuade students in the public schools that some religious denominations are more correct than others because of their support of evolution. Now, the site does this by deliberately getting statements from religious groups that support evolution while ignoring those groups which support literal creation. Let's pray that the high court will hear this case and rule against taxpayer-funded activities favoring pro-evolution religious groups over others. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And just a reminder, friends, uh, Pacific Justice Institute provides its services pro bono to churches and ministries up and down the state. Certainly could use your prayers as well as your financial support. Remember that website is pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. And you can also uh, call them toll free at one 9129 Again, Mike Douglas with you along with our producer and co-host, Lane Harlan. Our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, with us as well, Al Ramsey. And uh, Big John uh, just walked in, our uh, Energizer Bunny here at uh, ABC. By the way, John can use your services mm-hmm. if uh, you are um, well-skilled in the trades. Uh, we have more and more calls for that, especially in the construction of wheelchair ramps in terms of uh, fixing electrical problems and plumbing problems. Not personally, you know, but with the, uh, with the, uh, cause I know Ross was wondering about that, uh, plumbing problems that, uh, especially elderly people and disabled people in their homes can't afford to pay for, uh, certainly could use your services. And just a program note, coming up next week, uh, we get back into the groove with, uh, our study of Randy Alcorn's book called Heaven. And, uh, <clears throat> we'll remind ourselves at that time what chapter we're on. I think we left off around chapter 21. But given what's happening around the world today, the events in Gaza, I mean, we uh, obviously are, are careening uh, towards the time when uh, the Lord mercifully will come back. And uh, it's good for us to uh, consider where we're going, uh, its various aspects. And again, we'll be picking up Randy Alcorn's book around the 21st chapter beginning next week that follows Lighthouse Live Radio. Do you want to mention where we'll be on the 18th? Where will we be on the 18th? In Turlock. In Turlock, Turlock Community Fellowship. Uh, Dr. Michael Wright in India right yes. now doing some wonderful ministry there. And uh, so we'll be holding court uh, and uh, hopefully leave it in the same shape that he left it in when we get done with it. Lots of opportunities to serve as we check out the Volunteer Center of the United Way. Linda Hand list. Time for the T word, as uh, Brad Dacus was talking about taxes. Tax time, and you can help. Paradise South Weed and Seed, where you can prepare taxes for seniors and low-income workers and families. Volunteers are needed to help out with low-income individuals, prepare state and federal tax returns, uh, and apply for the Earned Income Tax Credit between February 3rd and April 14th. No accounting experience is needed, and free training and IRS materials are provided. Well, I'll fit that because Ross provided. has long said there's no accounting for me. So uh, and that's uh, long, and <laughs> Ross knows that if anyone does. <laughs> Volunteers should be comfortable working with numbers and have some computer experience as well. Volunteers are needed to greet and screen clients uh, for income guidelines and documentation and provide Spanish and English translation services. Training is scheduled on January 15th and 28th from 5 to 9 p.m. January 26th from 4 until 8 p.m. 
uh, also on the 31st of this month from 9 in the morning until 1 uh, in the afternoon. Flexible volunteer shifts are available Tuesday mornings and on Thursday evenings. The mission of Paradise South Wheat and Seed <coughs> excuse me, is to restore and enhance the quality of life in the Paradise South area. Uh, if number crunching isn't your thing and maybe phonics is, Maybe you were hooked on phonics, and there's a support <laughs> group for you. <laughs> we have one on Friday nights, I think. For I that. think so. Reading work. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm a recovering phonic. <laughs> Or was that Pharisee? I'm not sure which Phonaholic. <laughs> there you go. That's good. And there's a 12-step program near you. <laughs> Reading Works Adult. This is going downhill really quickly. Reading well, Works. trying to go somewhere with so. that. Reading right. Works Adult Literacy Program, uh, where you can teach an adult to read and change their future. You know, over 100,000 or about 46% of Stanislaw County adults are in the two lowest levels of literacy and are considered functionally illiterate. Now you can change a person's life and their future and their children's future uh, by opening doors through reading. Volunteers uh, age 16 years and older, I think we all qualify. Around this uh, table, certainly. <laughs> spend just uh, Are we talking a logarithmic a function there? A couple of hours way? a week uh, hmm. increasing a student's basic reading skills, utilizing an easy-to-follow phonics-based curriculum. Uh, reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, January 14th. That's coming up very quickly here. Mm-hmm. From 6.30 to 7.30 uh, in the evening, followed by a tutor training on Saturday, the 17th of January, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Both will be held at the Modesto Library Downstairs Auditorium. Uh, Reading Works, uh, in partnership of the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literacy Center, provides free literacy services uh, for adults who need to improve their basic academic skills uh, in Stanislaw County. Very good program. I went through that, and it's a very good It is, and I I think we mentioned this stat before. Again, I think it's 46% of uh, adults in America cannot read the label of their prescription bottle. That's scary. You know, which uh, leads to all sorts of other uh, problems as well. So we really appreciate your help in supporting Reading Works. Very worthwhile. Also, Stanislaw County Behavioral Health Services, where volunteers can put their office skills to work at the BHRS Senior Access and Treatment Team. Uh, the front office assistant volunteers are needed to answer phones, uh, schedule appointments, data entry, develop letters and memos, voicemail, typing, filing, copy materials, and compile information packets. Uh, flexible volunteer scheduling is available weekdays between 8 and 5 p.m. Uh, volunteers must be able to work with elderly individuals who have special needs and be at least 18 years of age and pass a fingerprint background check well, that lets me out right there. <laughs> Forget about that. The Stanislaw County BHRS Senior Access Treatment Team provides case management, mental health rehabilitation services, and medication support services for older adults. I think we qualify for that, too. Yeah, anyway, great way to connect. And, um, and again, that's what this is about, is connecting with people and uh, sharing the love and, and the light of, of Jesus Christ. And for any of these items, Barbara Borba would be glad to answer any questions uh, that you might have. And she's reachable at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Or you can email her, she likes that too, bborba at uastan.org. Uh, or you can reach us here at the ABC office too. Where on the AVC front lines, we have active needs on the AVC website. Uh, the West Side Ministry uh, on the West Side of Modesto is in need of a refrigerator still. 
Pastor Ross Bryles knows about that. Uh, not a lot of major purchases are being done right now. Of course, right it's now. this time of year. Just leave the door open at night. It the, takes care of the problem true. right there. But uh, at any rate. That's uh, how Ross has been so well preserved over these many yeah. years. Right? <laughs> That's a, a long story. Am I supposed too. to come into that? Yeah, you can, Ross. This is our show, and you could comment on anything you like. We'll edit okay. it out, but you can comment. <laughs> no. Appliances, guys, are in big need right now. And we would just uh, encourage, if you do want to donate, that they are in clean working condition. Um, so. Just give us a call if you do have a refrigerator to donate, and we will make certain that the Westside Ministry gets uh, use of this refrigerator. Beds are in big need, twin, regular, and queen size. Also, the sheets and blankets to go along with them. Dressers uh, and drawers for clothing. Again, give us a call at 209-544-9571. That's 544-9571, and we will be glad uh, to make those uh, connections for you on that. Well, uh, friends, we... uh, we just love it when, uh, when the Lord says where two or more are gathered uh, in his name. I, I love that part, and uh, I know that uh, you probably share in that as well. And uh, this evening we are very blessed to have gathered in our presence uh, some shepherds of this city that just, uh, you know, just don't come any finer uh, in my in my guesstimation, anyway, we have senior pastors with us, Wade Estes, of, and my very own, uh, First Baptist Church of Modesto, and Ross Bryles, senior pastor of Sherwood Bible Church here in Modesto, along with our very own Pastor Mike Douglas, pastor at large of the city and president of Advancing Vibrant Communities. And uh, back from a mountaintop experience. And uh, I tell you what, this... Uh, this probably was, was like no other, and there's a history of the pastors of Modesto, California, and, and friends, that wherever you're listening, I know we didn't mention where we have listenership. We have listeners listening in places that we can't even pronounce or, or spell, but, you know, you're probably listening in a city where you have pastors that gather and pray, and I certainly hope you do, and it's probably really special to you, but we in Modesto, California have something very special. And gentlemen, why don't you talk about the history of gathering together and praying and how this all came about and kind of bring it full story, if you will, and bring it to the present time. And let's just talk about how special of a place Modesto, California is and what God is doing in our city. Thanks, Elaine. The history football, I guess, was handed off to me because I'm the oldest here. But the so was the ark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah about the only thing older than me around Modesto's dirt. So, uh, but we won't go there either. But the history of uh, of prayer in a city is nothing new. But for us, we had tried various venues to accomplish prayer in the city and had been less than successful. And so, about well. 16 years, 15 and a half years ago, we as leaders in various congregations began to talk about maybe we ought to try to get together for an extended time of prayer and trying to address the question, what would it take for God to touch down in a city and make it a different place? And part of the answer to that was that we felt we needed to spend some extended time in the presence of God. And so on the very first prayer summit, we've just now finished our 16th. So 15 years ago, 
why we all loaded up on a bus, 54 of us, and headed over to Mission Springs over by Santa Cruz, California. And I was, um, I was convinced it was the right thing to do, but I really wasn't all that convinced that I wanted to do it. I uh, had to give up a couple things that I really liked to do. Uh, number one, I gave up my annual trip to ski in Colorado, <laughs> which was kind of a, I thought, a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the other thing they asked me to do was to give up my pickup truck and get on a bus with a bunch of preachers that I wasn't sure I really liked. And uh, as we met together, beginning on a Monday, we found out that we, from my perspective, approached it typically like type A personality pastors do with our uh, daytimers. And back then, 16 years ago, a few might have had laptops, but not too many. And we wanted to know kind of where the syllabus was and where do we sign up, uh, where do we get our schedule. And we were told by International Renewal Ministries, the the group that really kind of spearheaded and began the prayer summit movement, pastors' prayer summits, and said, we're here to wait on God. Well, preachers should understand that, but sometimes we, I didn't, and God showed up in a very special way. And so now uh, we've, as I said, have finished 16 of them. So that's a little bit of the history. You know, and as we approach this uh, today, Ross and, and Wade, uh, we want to remind everyone that one of the admonitions that we start out with early on in the prayer summit is whatever is said here stays here. And, uh, you know, it's like the Las Vegas mantra on steroids. I mean, we're serious yes. about that. That's uh, correct. Because... Part of the wonderful dynamic of the prayer summit is the safety of being able to be transparent in a vocation that uh, really prohibits us from being transparent for a variety of reasons, job security and embarrassment and a whole uh, whole bunch of uh, other things. Um, Wade, maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of that safety and, as you say, not using what we heard in sermon right. illustrations the next week. Right? <laughs> well, I, I found that uh, beginning at the first prayer summit that there were pastors in our area who, because like most pastors, they minister by themselves, that is, they're the only full-time pastor, you know, at the church, uh, they, they don't have really, I guess, a soulmate, uh, someone they can be open with, uh, transparent with, just sort of share life as they go of, of the real stuff. I mean, pastors are constantly giving and giving, and, and I think the one-church pastors are, are the heroes of the kingdom. I really do. And it, as I heard different ones share uh, their lives, where they were, and what they wanted prayer for, it it just struck me that sometimes even the simplest need uh, in someone's life can become really debilitating. Mm-hmm. And simply because they don't have anyone to talk it through with. They don't have anyone just to sit and listen, and they don't have to worry about getting judged. They don't have to worry about it going anywhere. Uh, they don't have to even worry about getting counseled because, as you know, we just simply pray for what their need is, and we don't cloak the prayer in counsel dear lord you know this brother needs to do this and this and this you know but mm-hmm. but just remove the scales to, from his eyes that's, so that that's right them, like we can <laughs> <laughs> and just just that freedom to uh, to share openly what god's doing in our lives and especially as the week moves along because god always does something special yeah. he always does something unique and 
just this last prayer summit, you know, we, we just shared, most of us, why are we here? We, we just want to meet with God. Mm. You know, we're here to meet with God. We're here to meet with the brothers. And that was, that was it. And as you know, man, did God show up. Yeah. Uh, and, and talk about meeting us where we were mm. and in each individual where he was. And I mean, it was, it was one of those experiences for me that even I struggled to describe, yeah. you know, how, how amazing it was to have God continually manifesting his heart, his word, his life, his presence, uh, speaking to men right where they were. And um, um, just just knowing he's not, not just theologically like we know he's there, he's present, but that he is connecting with us. Yeah. He's meeting us. Uh, very, very powerful. And so when that happens, uh, I mean, there's, there's no greater thing that could happen, yeah. you know. And then, and then just around the meal times, you know, sitting with different guys each meal and being able to share together about what's happening in our lives, uh, families, uh, laugh together, uh, pray together, enjoy the food together, uh, and, and just overall what I would call just a very, very safe uh, place. Yeah. The uh, warm, sweet fellowship. Yeah. To very pull much. away to the mountaintop. I think. To me, as I, I try to visualize what it must have been for, for you guys, was like Jesus when he pulled away mm-hmm. from the multitude and, and uh, sometimes by himself to be with the Father and just kind of mainlined to the source. Yeah. And, and then other times with the disciples mm-hmm. and to just be with them in that sweet fellowship that you described, Wade and, and Ross and, and Mike. It's just... Uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. You know, Ross, uh, I think one of the dynamics uh, that, that, or the, that creates the environment where we have that experience with God is that we get away from our sphere of influence. You know, I, I, I mean, it's if, if we meet down here in our city, they're going to get us. They're going to find us. You know, this, I mean, you go up there, and this, most of the cell phones don't work most of the time anyway, unless you stand on top of the reservoir in a three-point stance with one finger in the air. It's very hard to get cell reception, which actually is, is, is a blessing. It's a good thing. But talk a little bit, uh, Ross, about, about the importance of getting out of our environment, getting away where we're not connected so that we type A, you know, pastor types can calm down and really listen to what God has to say. It's probably one of the most difficult things for, as you said, type A personalities to be able to just wind down and the interesting thing about this year that was mentioned by several is they mentioned that it seemed that they were able to do that more quickly than sometimes Mm -hmm. but it is important i think to get far enough away from our offices from our even our homes as much as we love them and our families and to just as you said be disconnected for a while Mm-hmm. Uh, I do recall that you were able to find a place between, I think, two pine trees and the uh, the deck outside there. Wasn't that true, Michael? There was an exact spot, and if you triangulated correctly, you could get cell phone reception there. 
And do I recall that I did observe you there on occasion? Is that you correct? Did on occasion. Okay. Yes. I know we're not on supposed to talk about occasion. About yes. I, I realize we're not supposed to talk about things that happened at the summit, but maybe this was an exception. So I am Mike. I'm a cell phone addict. Yeah. <laughs> Support group. <laughs> but the importance of getting away. Um, we've tried, and it works sometimes. Uh, okay, in town. But it's very, very difficult to make, I think for most of us, that mental disconnect to then be able to engage and be quiet. Uh, that's one of the most difficult things for me mm-hmm. is to be still. And for some people, that's not a problem. But I'm one of the guys that if I'm not busy, why something's wrong. And so it's important for me to be in a place where there's no place to go. And I don't know that probably any other time of the year that I stay within for four days within a quarter of a mile of uh, of where I'm at. I mean, the furthest distance we go is down to eat and then back up the hill to, uh, to yeah, that, that time hike, together. That hike back is, uh, is a bear, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, it can be. But I didn't have a problem the last couple of years. It's been pretty easy. <laughs> no, no, going both ways, it's fine. Four-wheel drive helped out, didn't it? <laughs> you mentioned something a moment ago, uh, and, and maybe both Ross and Wade, you can comment on this. Silence. Um, in, in our society, in our culture, I mean, in the radio, you don't want silence. That's dead air. Yeah, You're losing no, money. Somebody switches thing. to another channel. Even here on Lighthouse Live, we don't do dead air on purpose, anyway. Um, You know, but up there, there are extended periods of silence. You know, the first time I encountered that, I'm going, I started to squirm. It's quiet. Somebody's got to say something. You know, those are special times. You know, when God communicates with us, I think, in 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 a very real way, almost inexplicable. Uh, I mean, did you guys just? fall into silence as being a cool thing or did you guys have to kind of get used to that uh, yeah i for me it's definitely learned um and for for me i have to work at making this may sound crazy but having the silence be productive because mm. my mind can run a hundred directions yeah, sure. when it's just quiet and especially when i'm uh, zoning in you know to god and just to have an open bible uh to to focus on the theme, to say, God, is there something? It's gone kind of quiet. No one's praying. No one's uh, singing. Um, is there something you're wanting to communicate right now? Um, so I, I guess even, you know, that be still and know that I am God. Yeah. For me, I've, I've still got to be saying, okay, I'm checking in here, God. Um because it's too easy for me just to start daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a discipline of silence for me is learned. Yeah. It's it's not an easy thing. Yeah, for me it's definitely a, a learned behavior uh, in that time of trying to be still and know that he is God and let him speak into our lives. Uh, I, there's one thing that I found helpful for me because sometimes a thought will occur to me that may or may not be what God wants me to even be thinking about. And so whenever there is something that comes across my my thought pattern, I try to filter it through at least three layers. One of them 
is this God speaking? Mm-hmm. Or is it just my mind wandering around somewhere out in the back 40? And the second filter that I then put it through, if I really sense it's something from God, okay, is this for me? Uh, and so a lot of times, most of the time, it's something he wants to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, I then put it through a filter of, okay, if it is from God, and maybe it's not directly applicable to me, is it something that I need to share with the group? And so it's amazing how little gets out of the group whenever I walk mm-hmm. through those three processes. But being still is, is I believe, a learned, a learned behavior because I'm just not wired that way. You know, I was just thinking uh, when I was a kid, <clears throat> Lake Avenue Church down in Pasadena, Dr. Ralph Byron, a giant of the faith, a medical doctor, was preaching one day. They had invited him in. and He said, you know, uh, I had great plans this one morning of spending the whole morning in prayer. And he says, I got down on my knees, I had my Bible open, and I was doing it. And he says, I looked at my watch expecting to see perhaps an hour go by, and he said precisely 45 seconds had expired. You know? wow. And, wow. And this is a brilliant you know, man of God, but I think we, we are so used to not, and, and this word came up, and again, not to violate uh, at all the, the parameters of the summit, uh, but, but this concept of abiding, I think, really uh, surfaced this year. What does it mean to us, you know, as shepherds, to abide with the Lord? to really be with him in a very real way where we're not, uh, you know, someone doesn't need counseling. We don't have to work on our sermon right now. We don't have to answer that me- uh, email or that phone call. We're just hanging with God and allowing him really to to minister and, and uh, to, to bless us. That, to me, coming in from the outside from a, a non-vocational ministry background, I think 12 years ago, uh, was a real shocker to me. I mean, that that just uh, kind of turned me upside down, and it took me one or two summits to kind of get uh, to kind of get used to that. That we could spend three and a half, four days in a concert of prayer together, abiding with the Lord, and you just don't find that opportunity in many places around this country, really, do we? No, and and for me, honestly, it's more productive. When I'm with others, trying uh, to do the same. Yeah. Uh, yes. It sets a context. We're out of town. There, we've set the agenda uh, to be quiet and listen. Um, you know, as, as you guys know, and it's a lot of the same for the listeners in the ministry, and I'm sure in other areas too. We're never caught up. You never go home and say, "I got everything done today." Yes. You know, it just it's just not that way. There, there's always more needs uh, that can be filled. There's always more uh, organization that can be done, people that can be recruited. I mean, this the list goes on and on. And to to be in a place where we say, I'm not going to do any of that, mm-hmm. and that's all important and that's all valid stuff to do, but I'm now going to carve out a spot at least once a year with some other pastors where we simply go to listen to God and to respond to what he wants to say to us. Uh, it's, it's invaluable. The other side of the break, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about what God has done 
in response to these summits. And, Elaine, I'd, I'd appreciate your perspective, too, as a veteran mm-hmm. intercessor mm-hmm. with an intercessory team here at Lighthouse Live and ABC. I'd be interested in your perspective on that as well after the break. Incredible uh, message on prayer. You know, we appreciate you listening, whatever city you're from. It's very special, no doubt. We'll have lots more with Wade and Ross. Special city, and, and uh, we look forward to uh, to hearing all about that. Chris Tomlin sings about our city uh, in his song this week. This is called God of This City. Let's uh, listen. It's an awesome song, and we'll be back on Lighthouse Light with more.
Chris Tomlin. Is that not a great song? That is beautiful. <laughs> I tell you what. Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Elaine. Wade Estes, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Modesto and Senior Pastor of Sherwood Bible Church, Mr. Ross Bryles. And I tell you what, we are uh, very blessed to have a gathering of shepherds in this room as these men, leaders of this great city. And uh, I tell you what, the the conversation about prayer and uh, the prayer summit that was just experienced here with the, the leaders, some of the leaders, of course, not all of the leaders, but many of them uh, in this area was just uh, was just a great time. And we're very thankful for that time and uh, beginning with prayer. And that's uh, that's where it begins, doesn't it? You know, Elaine, we, we are so numbers oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we quantitatively want to assess how well are we doing in, in ministry. We've got to find some quantitative way uh, to, to and, and, and so we come back to numbers. And, uh, you know, this year, I know as Ross and I were talking a little bit, we're going, wow, yeah, numbers are down a little bit. Maybe God is saying, uh, yeah, maybe the time has come, you know, and we thought, well, let's go up there and find out. <laughs> I think, what were we, about five minutes into it? <laughs> And I think everybody in the room understood, you know, it doesn't matter how many people are here. Uh, this this is a mountaintop experience that's important to God, and, and we need to be there. Yeah. One of the struggles for me was um, was the numbers, as you were just alluding to. And I got in a great deal of angst and uh, over the thing. And, and I was concerned that some might feel that because the numbers were less than some past years, that the experience was less than. And without exception, anyone that I heard even allude to the numbers said, you know, the reason this year is so great, I think it's because there's not as many people here. Yeah. Well, that and that was yeah. a, a real eye-opener to me. Yeah. Now, Lane, you, uh, you are an intercessor and uh, meet with uh, a group of women uh, every Thursday night to uh, intercede for the city, to intercede for, for ABC and many of the pastors. and the pastors in this room as a matter of fact on on your agenda talk a little bit about the the importance of prayer to you as as an intercessor and then what your group how they get blessed by knowing that gee the shepherds are going up there and interceding for the city as well you know mike and uh, ross and, and wade it was uh it was an incredible thing for us. Uh, the group of, of women that I've been praying with for the past 13 years, we've met every Thursday night in the home of uh, one of the ladies. And it's just been an incredible opportunity. Uh, it's a privilege and uh, it's a responsibility. And we gather to pray. And one of the things that we've discovered, one of the things that God has laid upon our hearts, it's, it's been a blessing. Uh, It's been a wonderful, uh, uh, it's a gift, it's a responsibility, it's been an awesome thing to see him work in and through uh, our lives as we've seen tremendous answers uh, to prayers. Uh, The the people that he brings into each of our lives and and our families, Uh, but to pray for this particular event was, was incredible because uh, as our, our leaders and our pastors, as we pray for our city uh, and the men and, and women who uh, lead this, this great city, uh, we just felt like and have felt for a long time that God is doing something very special in our city and, and working in the ministry. We see it on a daily basis here at, at Advancing Vibrant Communities. But 
just watching uh, watching the walls and the barriers come down, I think, and everybody working together uh, and seeing the prayers answered and then coming back and hearing that God did some amazing things at the summit, not not a lot of detail, but knowing that God did some amazing things. Like you said, the numbers uh, were down, but he surprises us in his ways. His ways are so much higher than our ways, and we know that he's just answering uh, a lot of, of our prayers. We see him in this city breaking down walls and barriers, as we've heard uh, in some of our, our sermons at church. And we know that, as in the song we just heard, there's lots more work to be done. We live in interesting times, and we believe that it does begin with prayer. And if we aren't on our knees together, if we aren't interceding for one another, if we aren't praying and lifting one another up, something's something's going way wrong. You know, something's. Uh, it all begins with prayer. We have a responsibility to pray. And not everybody feels the call necessarily to pray, but uh, I think that we all have a part in that. Um, And our our leaders need prayer. Uh, Leaders of our country certainly need prayer. Uh, We live in a a time like never before, and uh, we ought to all be on our knees praying and lifting up not only our city but uh, our country, the world, We have a lot of people who need the Lord. Uh, We need to cease, pray without ceasing, as the Bible teaches. You know, that was a theme that I think either last year or the year before also became a theme at at one of the summits. And you'd think, gee, for pastors, you know, extended prayer ought to be a no-brainer. You know, but it's not. I think the enemy has a bazillion different ways of uh, of interfering with that. Uh, I don't remember the exact quote, and I think it's been attributed to a lot of people, but something along the lines of, you know, prayer is that slender nerve that moves the mighty hand of God. And uh, can we talk just a little bit, and, and both of you predate me by several years of uh, being in Modesto. Um, Ross, you've been here a long time, wait as well. Let's talk a little bit about what you have seen God do in response to this consistent prayer, every week we gather for prayer on, on Wednesdays and we do these prayer summits uh, once a year, what has God done in response to these uh, to these prayer times? What have we seen him done? And, and maybe we can begin with a, an example like the community marriage policy or the, the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the covenant that we have now between us pastors. Uh, seems like he... Uh, we need to go back and acknowledge him and celebrate some of those wonderful things that he's done. You know, they, <clears throat> we get used to them, I think, uh, after we do it two or three or four years, but it really is pretty unique. Uh, I mean, here in Modesto, where there, there was the, the first community marriage policy in the nation, and for pastors to agree together that here will be a common set of guidelines that we will all agree to, regarding premarital counseling. Uh, One of the keys to that was there were times where a couple in one church wanted to get married, but biblically they they weren't free to get married. Um, Maybe they were, they'd just gone through a horrible divorce and two weeks later they're wanting their church to uh, marry them to this new person they found and the church would wisely say no. This is way premature, if at all you're even free to to move ahead in this. 
but they would they would go to a church across town and not tell them the the full scoop as it were and be married in two or three weeks and so that that didn't do a whole lot for the unity of of the churches in the city but a lot of that was just done in ignorance uh not not having all the information and so for for us to come together and agree we will all abide by this and it's a minimum set of criteria, and there's plenty of flex within for how you do premarital and what you consider important in that premarital. Uh, but, I mean, we had more than 100 pastors, you know, at one time sign that policy, and we've re-upped a few times uh, to, to keep that alive. And I think without having prayed together, it would have been pretty difficult uh, to, to make a step like that. You also mentioned the, the covenant of pastoral ethics, where we we agree together to some things that are just sort of pretty clear biblical applications, but to write them down and to sign our names to it and say, I'm going to live with this. I will not speak evil of another pastor or another ministry. Um, If someone comes to join our church from another church, we will call that first church and talk to the pastor and say, so-and-so has, has come here. They say they want to join. In fact, they even say they left well from your church. Uh, we just want to talk with you and, and see if, if there's the freedom or if there's unresolved business that needs to take place. And, and again, you, we, would, we would think that would be just sort of automatic, that, that the courtesy we show one another. Uh, but it's, it's easy just to skip over sometimes what ought to be the obvious and to me, one of the most exciting things is, is what we're moving into now, you know, in Connections 2009, because that was really born out of prayer mm. and uh, the unity of, of the churches and, and uh, ministry, Christian ministries in town that are going to be joining together to serve the community this year. I, I am very excited about for the, for the display of unity. Uh, I mean, Jesus prayed we would be one so that the world would believe the message. And we do a lot of a lot of preaching of the message, uh, but it's it's the oneness, the visible oneness that validates this is really true. I mean, we would think you know miracles will validate it and and all, but Jesus said it was the oneness, the love we would have for yeah. one another that would validate that. You know, Ross, we we talk a lot about the fact that the, the some of the basis, some of the foundation. Uh, of that kind of covenant is based upon relationship. You know, we have to trust each other, mm-hmm. you know, in order to be able to sign something like that in, in good conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and Ross, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the, the importance of being in relationship with each other and how prayer promotes that. Well, Mike, you touched or just now used a word that I has been running over my mind for the last several minutes, and it's the word trust. Mm. And one of the things that I believe to be true is that you don't trust people that you don't know. And you only get to know people that you spend time with. And a lot of uh, ministerial relationships are born out of out of just, uh, oh, hi, how are you? Uh, great to see you. God bless you. And we go on about our way. And the great one of the great, uh, I believe, benefits of prayer summits that brings us to a place where we can trust others other pastors, other congregations enough to sign agreements mm-hmm. is, is born out of trust. And the thing that I know is that 
their brothers, and I have been around this town a few years, it was not always so. Uh, we a lot of times didn't trust the other people. And the second thing is we would, well, we have covenanted it now that we do not, as Wade mentioned, we don't speak evil of one another. Yeah. And whenever we speak in the community about any other congregation in the community, we speak of the things we share in common. Mm. And we go inside of our doors of our buildings and speak about our doctrinal distinctives, and rightly we should. But whenever I speak and others speak in the community, we speak about the things we share in common, and that builds trust, that builds relationships, and is out of those relationships that I believe that there are guys that are in this town that would go to bat for me, and I would go to bat for them. And uh, it's always nice when somebody, as Wade alluded to a little bit earlier, when somebody comes to our congregation to uh, say, oh, you know, you're the greatest preacher that I've heard recently. And, of course, all of us who have been to the ministry know the the subsequent line to that at some point in the future pos- probably will appear. But whenever uh, somebody begins to say something about a pastor from another congregation, I love it because whenever I can say, wow, you know, I know that brother. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I know about him. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how quickly that that venom or that uh, anger or whatever it may be, uh, goes away. At least they don't speak it to me anymore. Because if I didn't know the other person, I couldn't say that because I couldn't say it with trust and confidence. It's because I have that relationship and trust. When Lori and I were about to enter the vocational ministry thing full-time, we read a book by H.B. London called Pastors at Risk. And he came out with a subsequent edition, <laughs> Pastors at Greater risk and i tell you it scared the stuffing out of us we thought what in the world god you know it must have been bad pizza or something we didn't quite hear him right after reading that book <laughs> you know it was all these war stories you know and and we were advised uh, uh by pastors that, that we knew in southern california hey you know don't develop really tight relationships within your congregation because you know what you you share something it's going to be out and you know, your career will be destroyed and, and so we had all these uh, you know wonderful affirmations coming in about how it was how it was going to be but uh, through prayer through those Wednesday times through the uh, prayer summits these very trusted relationships did build and you know there there have been times in in uh, my tenure here in this city. Where I, I've had to come to you and uh, Wade and, and Ross and, and uh, Cliff Traub uh, and say, "Hey guys, I'm I'm facing a mountain here, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And I trust you guys enough that I'm going to rely upon your decision, you know, to guide me in the right direction." And I remember one of those uh, times uh, about six or seven years ago. I thought, "Well, yeah, this is what I need to do." I'm pretty sure that this this is what God wants me to do. And um, I think Ross was the uh, emissary that came to me and said, Mike, for the good of the city, you need to do this. This is our recommendation to you. And I said, fine. You know, I trust you guys enough, you know, because I'm on my knees with you and we're tracking together with the Lord. I trust you enough to, to rely on that. And you know what? I'm going to do that. And, and you know, Mike, for, for me, that, that creates a real sense of safety. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, we know ourselves well enough to know. I mean, we we do want to know what God wants, but there's 
there's he doesn't create us to always get it right alone. He he make he creates a body that needs one another. And what the the accountability we've all agreed to it on on the uh, the leadership team for Mission Greater Modesto uh, to to be open with one another, to be honest with one another, to to counsel one another, to advise one another. And there's no lording it over, you know, as you know. But there's there's that that to me that's a sense of real protection that I can go because I mean, who wants to just wake up one morning and say, I think I'll mess myself up, you know, <laughs> or, or these people I'm leading, I, I think I'm just going to try to mess them up, you know, uh, and and to have the the brotherhood uh, to where there can be a coming together, a sharing, and where there's an understanding of you know how we're wired what our passions are, uh, where our expertise lies, uh, is just such a benefit and such a safe place. There's a bond that seems to take place, Mm. and and prayer kind of brings that together. It's a communication. When we pray, we're communicating with our God. And when we pray together, we're bonding, and and we communicate with one another Mm -hmm. as well, it seems. It was an interesting dynamic. There was a pastor uh, there this time who had never attended a summit. Uh, before and and we asked him because we, I, I think we are concerned about being perceived as a click. You know we don't want that. You know we want the openness. Um, we want the transparency, but you know which comes through relationship and trust. Uh, but with that, an unintended consequence can be the perception of, well, it's a tight group here, and I don't know if I'm going to fit in. And I think one of the most some of the sweetest words I heard up there, Ross, uh, at this particular summit, was this pastor saying, "You know, I didn't sense that. I didn't sense it was a good old boys club, or it was a clique, or you know, it was a spiritual gang or anything." He says, "I, I felt loved and accepted, and and uh, you know, we'd like to take credit for that, but that that's that's God working up there, I would think, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's nothing that w- that I can create or." Anybody around this table or any table can create. It's a God thing. And, again, we've tracked a lot of hours together, and I think that's a a very important aspect of it. And as we look at the relationships that develop, the trust that develops, um, I just know that that I can trust my brothers. The Bible speaks to us, and it's been alluded to already, about the unity Mm -hmm. and uh, the fact I believe biblically and uh, and as far as what heaven re- heavenly reality is, we are one body. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't function really well because I, if somebody is different than me, and that's one of the things about the wiring, and Wade mentioned wiring a moment ago, that we are wired differently. And the people that are in the groups, uh, even the leadership team, we're wired differently, but it's important because the way I see things is not always right. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not, even the way you see things, Mike and uh, or Wade, it's not always right. Yeah, that was that was a revelation. Uh, I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there's a safety of being wrong. You know, I mean, a safety of relationships that permits us to own. Okay, I missed that one. Uh, I see it different. But it's, to me, the body functioning as a body and not a bunch of disjointed, strong parts. 
Yeah, I think one of the dynamics that's important is that we give each other permission to speak into our lives. Mm -hmm. There is no police force here. You yes, know, we're we're not right. the prayer police. We're not the shepherd police. Uh, it is a, a, a loose gathering of shepherds just getting on their their needs together. Gentlemen, we have about 90 seconds left as uh, as we leave. And, and, again, the broadcast goes all over the world. Mm -hmm. What would you say to... Uh, folks and, and pastors, shepherds, maybe a world away about taking the opportunity to pray with each other and uh, under God's uh, authority. Just do it. Amen. Yeah. And, and I find, ask God to give you one other like-minded, like-hearted yeah. yeah. pastor. Um, it starts small. And the word says, don't despise the days of small Amen. beginnings. Amen. Find one other and, and see, see what God would do from there. Amen. I just want to thank you, gentlemen, Wade and, and Ross, and, and thank you, dear listeners, wherever you happen to be listening. I, I think we are, are the blessed ones because you have chosen to invest your lives in with each other and spend time together and, and to do this and to pray and, and to uh, invest your, yourselves that way. Well, thank you for joining us. Join us next week as our guest will be Cindy Marks, yep. dear sister in the world. Another Lord. answer to School prayer, by the way. Talk about that next week. All right. So thanks for listening, and may God continue to bless your life. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>